Thank you for choosing this Dream Center podcast. Don't forget to subscribe for further updates. You have your Bibles? Go to Psalm 37. You know, every time I speak on this, I come at it from a different angle. This week, on Monday, I had a lot of thoughts. And by the time Friday came, I didn't have enough to finish the week. And I'm thinking, Lord, I was going to go one way. And then Friday, it's almost like the Holy Ghost stopped me going down this road. And then yesterday, I put the the final uh, finish to it, and it turned out completely different the way Monday looked. And that's good because God must be in control. God must be free to say what he wants and how he wants, and hopefully I'll work with him well this morning. So we're talking about getting into the boat, and uh, we've been looking at this now for a while, and uh, hopefully as we go through this message this morning, more and more will become clearer and clearer and clearer to our hearts so that we're able to make a quality conscious decision. Amen? When you have all the facts in front of you, you're able to make a better decision, aren't you? Rather than some of these deals where they say, sign up and we'll send you the, we'll send you the, uh, the policy, but you've signed and you've not even seen the policy. Your car insurance is a bit like that. You do it over the phone, give you bank details, and then they send you a policy. When you read your policy, you think, I didn't know... I didn't know that. I didn't know this. I didn't know that. Okay? So this is not like that. God makes all the small print big so that you and I can make a quality decision. Because God is not about putting your hand up your your back. Amen? As we heard on Tuesday night for the ladies, God does not interfere, but he does intervene. How many of you have heard the old phrase that says, uh, when your ship comes in, don't be at the airport? (laughs) Have you ever heard that phrase? Well, when your ship comes in, don't be at the airport. In other words, don't be found in the wrong place, doing the wrong things at the wrong time with the wrong people and getting the wrong results. You know, obviously, it's it's obvious you don't go to, you know, an airport to catch a ship or go to the docks to catch an airplane, you know, unless you get in a water plane, that is. But the thing is, is so many Christian believers are expecting God to do all manner of things for them. And yet they're always in the wrong place. If God's doing airport things, then God's do. where should you be? At the airport. If you're doing ship things, you need to be at the docks. And God doesn't confuse, but we do. And our expectations of God very often puts us in the wrong place. And then we end up becoming frustrated, disillusioned, heartbroken, feeling that he's left us, abandoned us. And very often, God getting you in the right place on time so he can do the right thing is the struggle with our lives. Getting us in the right place. Wow. How hard is that for, for us to be in the right place? And when we do, when we are in the right place and we get the favor, we think, oh, that was so easy. But really, if God showed us, it took us 10 years to get you in that place. It wasn't so easy then, was it? It was 10 years of your life just gone. A decade just gone. Waiting for you to get in the right place. Wow. That's pretty, pretty alarming to think. When God shows you the calendar or the timeline of your life, how you could have had what you needed 10 years, 20 years ago. That's frightening. And uh, God sat there and he thinks, I've got eternity. You haven't. You've got 70, 80, 90 years, whatever. So we need to make sure that we can't, if we're in the wrong place, we'll always have the wrong expectation of God. And when you have the wrong expectation of God, I guarantee you will judge God. Because you'll get so frustrated that God didn't play to your tune or play your game that you will then go into an internal frenzy and then you'll be saying, I thought you loved me. I thought I understood you. And then you'll have this internal conflict going on inside your life because you don't understand God. But God understands you. And then you scream louder, but God doesn't answer. Anybody ever been there? Right. Why? Because God doesn't answer to people who talk to God like that. When God, doesn't, when God goes silent, it's because you're asking the wrong question. I have found that out to my pain. I have found that out to my pain. God stays silent until I ask the right question. Seriously. And then... Because I remember praying, I've told you this many times, I was praying and God was very gracious, he said to me, Tony, it's the wrong prayer. And I thought, at least he's told me I was praying the wrong prayer. 
But many, of, many times when I've been frustrated and I've been sowing that anger and that frustration into the spirit, God's, just, God's not answering. It's, it's almost like he says, when you calm down, son, I'll talk to you. Why? Because God speaks from a place of peace. You and I often speak from a place of agitation, frustration, negativity, questioning, judging, cynicism. Or am I the only one? <laughs> Don't you love this? So, you know, God has a dream. God has a plan for our life. Not a dream. God has a plan. A dream can be wishful thinking. But a plan is, is, is you know, is, is concrete. I have a plan. It's going to be executed this way. And God's plan, you're involved in it. Aren't you glad that God has a plan for you? But you see, many Christians will often pull out this verse. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Do they not? And you've often said it and I've often said it. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him. And we almost like speed read the rest. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this for you. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like a noonday, like the noonday sun. All we hear in that verse is going to give me the desires of my heart. If we're honest and sincere with ourselves, all we heard, we heard what we wanted to hear. God will give to me the desires of my heart. What a load of bunkum. The way you read it is often the way you receive it. But how many times have when you read things and you have to reread it and reread it and reread it, and when you reread it, you realize, actually, I'm reading it wrong. Are you the only one? If you speed read things, you get it the wrong way. You know, that's my, I often do that. I'm so intolerant when it comes to reading books. Or you read a newspaper and then they give you the background. Read that, try and get down to the information straight away. And then sometimes I've got to go back because I didn't fill in the gaps. Or am I the only one? And I even do it with my own material. I think, you're boarding now, Tony. Shut up. Let's get to the next part. You wrote it. I know, but I felt inspired when I wrote it. Yeah, but I don't feel inspired now. So the issue is this is very often as we read things, we read it or we interpret it, I should say, in the, in the way we've read it. But it's not always right. Because then you go and get different variations of translations and then you begin to see that what you're reading is not exactly what you thought it was when you start viewing it with different translations. Like if you look at the various translations of the Bibles we have in here this morning, there'll be many and varied. Some will have the NIV, some will have the New American Standard, some will have the King James, some will have the, uh, the Message, some will have the New English Translation, some will have what you call a Bible, it's not really a Bible. The Message is not a Bible, it's a paraphrased Bible. It's not a Bible. So you can't use it as the Bible. Right? It's one man trying to interpret what the Bible's saying. And that's what the message is. It's just a paraphrased Bible. So if you've got one and you use it and you're trying to interpret it, you need another Bible. Okay? Now, you think, well, they, didn't, they sold me a Bible. No, they sold you what you asked for. What you thought you were getting, you got. <laughs> so when we read this, if you read it in the, in the message version, which is not a Bible, which is a paraphrased version, read what it says. Keep company with God. Is that good? Yes. Get in on the best. Open up before God. That's good. Keep nothing back. He'll do whatever needs to be done. He'll validate your life in the clear light of day and stamp you with approval at high noon. Keep company with God. Get in on the best. Open up before God. Keep nothing back. All, all that good, yeah? All that's good. But it, nothing's, nothing about that sounds like delight yourself in the Lord. Yeah? He'll do whatever needs to be done. He'll validate your life in the clear light of day and stamp you with approval at high noon. It all sounds wonderful. And I like it. But it's still not the interpretation of that verse. So we, right now we have a, a million Christians running around thinking that I can ask God for the desires of my own, of my own heart and he'll give them to me. Which now breeds greed. It now believes incorrect behavior, incorrect thinking, wrong expectations. True? The interpretation of scripture, hermeneutics, what they call it, the science of interpreting scripture, there are many rules. 
So often we read the verse that we like. Very often when a preacher's preaching about money, he use any, he'll use key sound words. Give, receive, harvest, blessing, full. You think, oh, these scriptures mean that. But when you read those scriptures, you see they've only taken key words. The context is wrong. The interpretation's wrong. So we have to be very careful how we're reading and what we're reading. Why? So we can get the right expectation of God. It's so important that Christians get the right expectation of God because we can't have stupidity, ignorance, immaturity. I'll tell you, are you ready for the original, for what the little translation of that scripture means? Just about to shatter your spirit now. It says, the little translation means, do what is lawful and right. Commit that which you have to, you have to do, that which is lawful and right. Okay. In order for you to remain lawfully right. Listen, trust in him wholeheartedly. And if you do this, then God will grant to you the desires of your heart. It's completely a reverse. Now you say, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. It's all about God giving to you. But when you read the literal translation, it talks about you doing what is lawfully and right. And when you desire to do what is lawfully right, God will give you that desire. You see how it's completely flipped? When we read the scripture. Now, if I'm one of those who thinks just because I delight myself, what does it mean to delight myself? Well, that can have a thousand interpretations. Does it mean just worship, skip like a calf? The word delight can, be, it can mean a lot of things. But to do that, I've now got my own interpretation. So therefore, the wrong expectation of, of me and God, and God will have to do things for me. And when, I, when God doesn't give me the desires of my heart, I get frustrated with God. It almost implies, not that I'm saying it does imply, it almost can imply that I'm allowed to do my own thing and God will bless me. He'll give me the desires. No, no, my friend, God has a plan. And in that plan, he will allow you to have desire. Because, you know, there's no point in him, you just serving something and you getting nothing from it. God allows you to have desires. You've got desires in your heart, but they need to be desires to be lawfully and true, to do that which is lawful and right. And when that becomes your desire, God will give you that desire. When your heart and soul is ready to come into that place to follow God and do his will, God will then grant to you that desire. And all the blessings then that come with that. Amen? So we see there's a complete, Turn around in there. But you see, it's these kind of interpretations that stop people getting into the boat. Because they think they're either in the boat, which they're peddling their own boat. So one man, one man boat. But to get in the boat takes an adjustment in spirit and soul. And God is clarifying our thinking and our understanding of him so that we can ask the right things. The last thing I ever want as a pastor is to sell you a pack of lies, half-truths. Now, you've got to make way that we're, we're actually all stepping into progressive revelation and truth. So what we say here today, six months' time, we get greater revelation, and we're able to clarify it stronger and take us. And also, we've also got, we can also realize sometimes we were wrong. Yeah, so we're all on a journey and we can, God can compensate for that, providing you're on that journey of greater and greater, greater revelation. Rather than just staying in an old truth and preaching an old truth from forever and ever. Amen. So when God asks us to do something, God wants us to have the right understanding of him so that we can fully understand what he's doing. Amen. He doesn't want us to have half truths. If, you, if he's asking you to get in his boat, but you think that he's going to get into your boat, there's a conflict. And you're rowing your boat. Michael rowed his boat ashore. Hallelujah. But God isn't in your boat. And you're frustrated that other, God's blessing other people, but he's not blessing you. And God says, that's because you're in the wrong boat. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we have to look. When he says... In Matthew 8, verse 18, which has been our scripture, 
He says, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross the other side of the lake. He got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Jesus led by example. He got into the boat and the disciples followed him. Yeah? It is God's desire for you to leave the beach. It's God's desire for you to leave the beach. The beach is symbolic of the easy life, the relaxed life, the apathetic life, the procrastinational life, the, the everyday life. God wants you to leave that type of life and follow him. Because we said before, broad is the path that leads to destruction. Narrow is the path that leads to life. Many walk on the broad path, but few are found on the, the narrow path. The narrow path is those people have left the broad path, which is the beach. Okay? Now, there are many beaches that we create in our life. The moment we settle, it's a beach. The moment we try and settle, because the kingdom of God is, is something that's moving all the time. It's advancing. Amen? And forceful men and women lay hold of it. In one translation, it says violent men. Right? So that we know that the kingdom of God is something that's progressing all the time. It's not only it's progressing around you and in front of you when you're doing nothing. It's still moving. Yeah? Is it scientists or physicists that say the universe is expanding? When I go to sleep at night, it means it's moving. When I, it didn't even ask for my permission. It's still expanding. Why? Because there's no limits to God. No limits to God. So when you're doing nothing, God's still doing something. Yeah? When you have a me day... When you have a me day and you do some retail therapy, do you know the kingdom of God's still advancing? Your pocket's decreasing, but the kingdom's advancing. True? So, a territory. When he says cross over, it's because he wants us to take new territory in our lives. The, the whole central core of this message about getting into the boat, though we're coming at it from so many different angles to help everyone make a choice, the ultimate objective of getting into the boat is not only just to cross to the other side, but it's to take the territory on the other side. That's the whole point. It's not just leaving the beach, getting in the boat. That's called a cruise. That's called a cruise. But the issue is, is that there are giants to fight. Let's just say there are wars to fight, giants to kill, cities to take. Yeah? And, you, and it's all on the other side. Everything that God calls you to is on the other side. Yes? The only thing that's near and right in front of you is the word. He gives you the word. He said, it's in you. It's right here. You don't have to go up here. Get someone else. He tells, he tells the Israelites in Deuteronomy, you don't need somebody else to get it for you. Why? Because the word's right there in front of you. Right? It's the word that propels you to go to the other side. But you don't know what's on the other side until you get there. True? You see, God has shared a lot of things in my heart, just like he shared with your heart. But you know, I still have to cross over and go and get them on the other side. I still don't know what the other side fully looks like. That's called faith and obedience. All I need to know is we'll never know what can come through this door or what can go out of that door unless we cross to the other side. Truly. We truly will never know what's in God's heart unless we are willing to go and take a new territory. And a territory mean, can mean a geographical area. Or a domain under jurisdiction of either a judicial, political, or demonic power, which is either inhabited or defended. Now, I can think of a lot of territories out there that are physically, judicially, demonically being affected. There are territories that God wants to take. You know, the first territory God wants to take is your heart, your spirit, your soul, your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's a territory. If, I can't, if God can't work on the inside, he'll never get you to work on the outside. So God has to work on the inside. All the time, every time we receive our portion, God's working with us on the inside. Amen? So that it can, we can affect the outside. So in Mark chapter 5, let me show you how a region can be affected and why you have to go and take the other side. This could easily be Drawsden. Manchester, anywhere. And it's better in Mark than it is in Matthew, so I want to read it from Mark. Mark 5.1. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. This is Jesus and the disciples. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. 
This man lived in the tombs. Strange place to live. And no one could bind him anymore, not even with chains. Wow. For he had been chained hand and foot. But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. Now, how many of you know that's strength? Demonic strength to do that. Amen. No one was strong enough to subdue him. No one. Pick that up. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs in the hill, he would cry and cut himself with stones. Wow. This boy's in serious trouble. When he saw Jesus from a distance, how far? A distance. He ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me? Wow. Jesus, son of the most high God. He recognized who he was without anyone telling him. He didn't get the brochure. He didn't get the promo ad. He just knew exactly who it was who stepped into that region. What do you want with me, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. Wow. No one's been able to subdue this guy. And now all of a sudden, he's in reverse. One man steps on the island, and all of a sudden, the whole, the whole thing is now dodgy. His ground is no longer firm. His territory is now being shaken. Amen? For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what's your name? My name is Legion. Wow. He replied, for we are many. So now there's not only one, he's brought his friends with him. Yes? And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Whoa. Send us amongst the pigs. Allow us to go into them, he said. He gave them permission. Now he's having to submit and ask for permission. And the evil spirit came out and went into the pigs. Now listen, the herd, about, the herd was about 2,000 in number. Can you imagine 2,000 pigs running off a cliff? That's a lot of bacon sandwiches going down the pan. Yeah? The herd was about 2,000 in number. They rushed down the steep bank into the lake and they were drowned. He was rinsing the salt out of the gammon. <coughs> this region, this whole region could never have been affected if those boys had never left the beach, got into the boat and crossed to the other side. This whole region could never have been affected. Your workplace, your family, your environment can never be affected unless you personally leave one place and go to another. Some of you have changed companies. That was a physical movement. And now you're getting more leverage and more leeway in one company that you didn't get in the other. You had to cross over. You had to leave. You had to disassociate with one beach and go to another. It might mean you travel further. But now you're not there just to pick up a paycheck. You're there to affect the territory. Hello? Your calling in life is not just for you to pick up a salary. That's something that is a benefit. Your vocation... And calling in life are two different things. You may be good at one job, but you're there to advance the territory in your, your attitude with people. People are watching all the time. How you deal with people. How you respond when people deal bad with you. How you respond when the company wants to make changes and you don't like it. Are you the mouthpiece? Are you, all of a sudden, do you become the foreman? Do you become the forelady? I'll take the battle. God's watching. People are watching. And all the time, God wants to take new territory. And new territory this morning, we said, Lord, forgive. Let us forgive those who forgive us. Don't you think forgiveness is a territory? Because unforgiveness is a territory the enemy's already taken. So forgiveness is a territory that makes the enemy get out there, clear out, and God is able to retake the territory. A clean hands and a pure heart is a territory. You've got to see that. A renewed mind is a territory. Because a heart and with your mind, you advance. Without clean hands and a, pure, and, a, and a renewed mind, you'll never advance. Your thinking is the most precious commodity you have. That's why the Bible says, don't empty your mind. 
Eastern meditation says, just empty your mind. Don't ever, ever open your mind to anything. The Bible says, think on these things. Tells you exactly what to think on. Don't open your mind. Don't clear your territory up. Don't open your territory for something else to come in. Guard your territory. Govern your territory. Yes? Your thinking is everything. It's everything, my friends. And every day, people are trying to pollute your thinking. But your thinking's all you have. Your thinking is what keeps you sane. True? And when you're miserable, your thinking can preach you happy again. True? No one else is going to sing for you, only you. Delight yourself in the Lord. Amen? And you can put a CD on and listen to a CD, and it still has no effect. But when you start getting into it, when you start dancing in your boat, it's a different. It's different when you start dancing in your own boat. So this region was demonically being terrorized. And Jesus has to go in there to show the disciples the authority that's on his life is the same authority I'm giving to you guys. Demons will have to submit. Judicial powers will have to submit. Financial powers will have to submit. Why? Because he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. So as we begin to stand in righteousness, we can take new territory. But all that territory has to be done by crossing over. There's a physical shift that you have to make inside, a spiritual shift, an emotional shift that you have to make in your own personhood that allows you to go and take more territory. It's amazing. People will go to university to learn more so they can go and get a better job. That's territory. People do a lot of things to get a financial reward. True? People come in, look, here's the thing about the humanity. This is how money, how we can be driven by money. We won't be two minutes late for work because we know we get hit in the pocket. But we can be 20 minutes late for church. The only difference is, the only difference is you don't get hit in your pocket. You don't get hit. You don't get reprimanded. One doesn't mean anything. One does. So unless you make the shift in your mind, you'll never, you'll never adjust. It'll always seem that someone's badgering you over this, but you never complain when your boss says being on time. It's only a shift. So when you shift, you've got to allow someone to get you away from that beach and get into a boat. The boat is moving you towards another view. But when someone has a go at you, well, this is not work now. This is my pleasure. Well, actually, read the scriptures. It's your responsibility. So, when Jesus sent those herd of bacon sandwiches over the, the cliff, right, he affected the agriculture, the judicial, the financial, the spiritual. He affected everything in that region. All through one de demonic or legion coming and talking to him. All because of one piece of demonic activity, the whole region was affected. So much so that the people say, you better get out of here. So now there's a mob after him. All because he crossed over. Now, do you not, did you not know? Do you not know when he said, let's get in the boat? Do you not know that he thought that was, he knew that was going to happen? Of course he did. He's thinking to himself, you know what? The devil's on the other side. I'm going to kick his teeth in today. I'm going to send 2,000 pigs into the sea. I'm going to shake and rattle and roll this town just by who I am. And, the, the, you know, no one could subdue this guy. No one. Nothing. He broke the chains. Well, you know, Jesus also broke the chains. He broke the chains that tried to bound him. But his chains were bigger than the demonic's chains. My friend, you have that power. You have that power to get in the boat and cross over to the other side. We have that in power within us. That's what Christ has given every one of us. That's why he wants you to get in the boat because he wants to see his power manifested. He wants to see kingdoms being turned around. He wants to see cities changed. He wants to see lives changed. But it starts with you, his own people. If you can make a shift, then you can make the journey. This is why we keep saying these things over and over again. Hopefully that the penny drops and you make the shift. Amen? Now in Genesis chapter 10, since we're talking about boats, there was a group of people in Genesis chapter 10, verse 4, 
the sons of Javan. Yavan, Javan, whichever you pronounce him. Javan. The sons of Javan were Elisha, Tarshish, the Kittim, and the Rodanim. From these, listen, the maritime people spread out into their territories by their clans within their nations, each within its own language. Here we have a family of maritimers whose destiny was to build the biggest shipping fleet in the world at that time. Their destiny, God had put it within their hearts to build ships, to build boats. They had this technology of how to build things so that they could cross over, take over. When you can cross territories like that, you've got such a leverage. Why did Britain get a col- Why did Britain have so many colonies? Because she had the biggest fleet of ships in the world. Rule Britannia. Britannia rules the waves. Amen? Why? Because she had such a big fleet that she could go anywhere and take in any big dog on the day. Amen? Now that caused her to go into new territories. She, she took, she raped, she plundered, she pillaged. I'm not saying it was good what she did, but some good, good did come from it. You know why? Many of our overseas guests are here as a result of that. True? So not everything that was bad ended up bad. Colonies were forged. Amen? So now you have the luxury of listening to me. See, God was working on my behalf all those years ago. True? Think about it, how God uses history. So why? So you can cross over. You would not have been allowed, if you come from another nation, you weren't a British colony, you would not have been allowed in had that history not taken place. So God used history for your well-being because God saw the, saw the future. God said, I've got a cross, Irene over. Now, Irene has a situation. I don't know what led her to England, so I'm just talking off the top of my idea and see how we do. She's at home in, in, in Ghana. That's right, isn't it? Ghana. Her and Ralph. She hasn't met Ralph, but something inside her says, one day I'm, going, I'm not going to be living here, Mama. I'm built for bigger things. This ain't Kansas, Mama. I'm going to clip my little red heels and I'm going to go to England. Now, I don't know what went on, how she ended up here, but she's got here, her and her husband. And now Mama's come over to see how Dorothy's going on. You're right, it ain't Kansas. It's Charleston. True? But had, had the history not taken place, Irene and Ralph could not cross over, and I could use that right across the church. How God uses things well before you. you know, God, was God doing something behind your back? Of course he was. He wasn't even born. And in the midst of all that tyranny and wrongdoing, God still used it. True? And because those doors are open, we can travel, go back. So we can travel back. We can do things in her nation. Because she now becomes a doorway. And any overseas guest, if you get aligned in the spirit, not only do you come in and receive, but we, can then, we now can use that portal to travel back. And go and establish the kingdom in that area, in that city. Why? Because you now become the, da- the gateway. Can you see this? So God was doing all these things behind our back. And these people here, Javan, uh, the sons of Javan, Elisha, Tarshish, the Kittim, and the Rodanim. From these, the maritime people spread out into the territories by their clans with their nations, each with its own language. Language is powerful. Because... If I go into Ghana, and I know they speak English, but they start speaking a dialect, without Irene, what do I do? I have, no, I have no authority in that realm because they can't understand me. But she can make that whole message known. Or anybody else who has a dialect. If you come from Oldham, you have a dialect. From Mosley, you have a dialect. True? If you come from Liverpool or Newcastle, you certainly have dialects. If you come from Manchester and you talk to some of the young kids, that's a dialect all on its own. Or is it a dialect? I'm not sure. Well, I'm not best, I'm what? 
So these sons of Javan, the spirit of Javan is in us. We have the ability to cross over. We have the ability to take new territories. We have that ability within us. Why? Because it's Jesus calling us. Jesus is the one calling us. We have the ability to ensure that the wealth of the nations are brought before our God. True? This morning, I see all our overseas uh, guests, family, as treasure. The seas had to bring them. The ships of Tarshish had to bring them. Now you say, well, I came on a plane. Stop being awkward. <laughs> That's only because it's quicker. Michael rode the boat ashore, remember? The point is, our ancestors were traveling the waters well before they were traveling the airways. Amen? And the wealth of the resources of the nations could be brought to him and to the right people. That's why when your heart, you're saying the right things, you've got the right expectation, you've got the right understanding of God, God can say, go. Go to England. Go to Manchester. Go to Drawsden. He can drill right down. Go to the Dream Center. He's gone from there, 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 there. God's able to take us anywhere if we're willing to get in the boat and cross over. I tell you, this church has not even yet begun to go to the nations. But when it does, and it will do, it will do. Many of you are strategically positioned. You become doors to the nations. I said to you the other week, who can speak French? Oh, I'm coming for it. Don't worry. I'm coming for it. I need your language. Your language is going to help us pre pre uh, preach that message where we need to. Language cannot be a barrier. Cannot be a barrier. It cannot be a barrier. So some of you might, if you've got a, a leaning towards French, start learning French. Some of you might want to, want to start learning a new language, Spanish. Don't look at me like that. Look at you. Spanish. 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 French. We don't need German because German can speak English. But the French world can take us anywhere. The Spanish language can take us into many regions. Start learning Chinese. Oh, holy ghost. Shortcut it, shortcut it. Just say, Lord, I need a new tongue. Give me a new language, oh Lord. What are you? You know, one lady who preached, some of you may remember a lady called Rona May. She got the whole language downloaded, free of charge. God gave it to her, the whole language. She never learned Spanish in her life. And then she was tra translating for Hector Jimenez, who's got something like 250,000 in his church. God can give you a language. So it's like, the, it's, it's like the iPad. Just choose what you want, download the app, and you're good to go. Amen? Some of you may know the guy called Frank Carr. Uh, not Frank Carr, David Carr in Solihull. When he speaks, he speaks in the ancient dialect. When he speaks in tongues, he speaks in the ancient dialect of French. These, these languages are downloadable. The Holy Ghost can give it to you. Are you serious? Do you want to cross over? You can get it. Some of you need to start learning to speak English first. Me included. In Isaiah 60, verse 9. Surely the islands look to me in the land. Sorry, in the lead are the ships of Tarshish. Where the boats, they're in the lead. Bringing your sons from afar. See, that's how Irene and Ralph got here. With silver and gold to honor the Lord, your God. Do they not honor the Lord, their God? Of course they do. The Holy One of Israel... For he has endowed you with splendor. Foreigners. I didn't call you that. The Bible did. Foreigners will rebuild your walls. And their kings will serve you. Though in anger I struck you in favor, I will show you compassion. Your gates will always stand open. They will never be shut. Day or night. So that men may bring you the wealth of the nations. Their kings led in triumphal possession. For the nations or kingdom that will not serve you will perish. It will ultimately be ruined. But notice who was in the lead. It was the ships of Tarshish. 
thinking we're going to cross over. We're going to take new territories. The ships of Tarshish. Is there a Tarshish mentality inside you to be the lead? To bring the wealth of the nations before our God? To get in the boat, to cross over, to sail any, any kind of sea? These boys were skilled maritimers. Amen? They had to break into new territories. Do you know the once upon a time they thought the world was, was flat? Yeah? And there was all kinds of myths and mystic, mysticism surrounding people's thoughts, which would hinder how far they could actually go. True? Once upon a time, man never thought he could be in space. Man never thought he could be on the moon. You know all it was, don't you? It was thinking. Once man decided to get in the boat and cross to the other side, his imagination to the moon. Did it not? And now we have space stations. Wow. I thought they only had that in Star Trek. And Deep Space Nine. I know, that's gone over your heads, hasn't it? We can be the Klingons on the starboard bow if we want. We can get in the starship called Enterprise. We can get in the boat and cross over. Why? It's a mentality. We can be the lead ship. We're not saying we're being the best, the biggest. It's a spirit, imagination, or an attitude, should say. Not imagination. An attitude that says, Lord, we'll be the lead. We'll lead this thing. We'll cross over. We'll take the nation if we have to. We'll break out of our containment. We'll do what we need to do in order to get to the other side. I want to have this spirit of the Tarshish. Now, at the end of the day, Tarshish also got it, big, got it wrong as well. If you're reading scriptures, they also got judged. A lot of things took place. But they started off good. Just like many of you do. So, let's, see, let's just see this spirit of Tarshish. Let's go into Esther chapter 1. Verse 13, let's see how these boys, not only did they take the nature of the Maritimers and they were the, the leads, let's see where it took them. Esther chapter 1, and that's a book you don't, many of you probably don't turn to often, but she gets missed, Esther, but she's a good old girl. And a fantastic book. But look where she is. Get ready to listen to this, Hussein. He's talking to your people. Since it was customary for the king to consult experts in matters of law and justice, he spoke with the wise men who understood the times and were closest to the king. Kashina, Shetha, Admatha, Tarshish, Mez, Messina, and we'll call that last one Mancunian. <laughs> the seven nobles of Persia, and media who had special access to the king and were highest in the kingdom. Look where these boys have got to now. Because they broke territories, because they took hold of the destiny, because they were willing to build ships and cross into new territories, because they were willing to take the lead and bring your sons and daughters from afar, the power... Because this family had power to break into new territories, they now find themselves in the king's palace. Yeah? Which is a specific territory to break into. True? It involves the judicial, the political, the military, and financial. Just in one room, in one presence, they've, they're able to affect those regions again. Hello? Hello? They're able to affect it. Our crossing over must lead us into various types of domains, territories. Some of you already work in the political or the judicial or the agricultural or the financial. Many of you are already in the system. You work for employers. That's their nature of their business. But the nature of their business and the nature of our business is two different things. We don't want to take over. We want to influence. So as we rise up and become the righteous man, the righteous woman in that place, you then get ears and doors open to you that other employees don't get. That's you being a Tarshish kind of mentality. Your clean hands and your pure heart opens doors for you and gets you in places that you would never get to had you not had clean hands and a pure heart. Come on. It's true. You get favor. 
to go all the way. Why? Because you're not arrogant. You don't want to tell the boss how to do things. You want to influence. And maybe if there's any, if there's any unlawfulness, injustice or sin in there, you try and influence. So, uh, to, uh, what's the word I'm trying to use? To, to prick their conscience. To bring the company back into alignment. Because God's blessing that company while you're there. Yeah? So God's using you in your workplace to rise up to the very top. Or to be the top that you are humanly competent at. You know, because God just doesn't make you the CEO, you know, just because you're a Christian. You've got to have some core competence. You know, don't ever get promoted to the level of your incompetence. Because then you are... (laughs) Up creek without a paddle, right? You've got to have core competence. You've got to have core skills. So you'll have to go to university if, you, if that's what the job requires. But if you don't need to go there, you don't need to. You can rise up whichever way. But don't think because you're a Christian that I'm going to be the leader next week. No, no. And guess what? One more. No. Doesn't work like that. Righteous men are the ones that rise. You know what I mean? So since it was customary for the king to consult experts in matters of law and justice, this is the cutting edge of the kingdom. Law and justice. What is the kingdom about? Peace, righteousness, and justice. Amen? So because the family had power to break into new territories, they now find themselves in the king's palace which is a specific territory to break into as it involves the judicial, political, military, and financial. Our crossing over must take us to all these types of territories. These were people, listen, it's often been said that the men of Issachar understood their times. No one ever looks at these dudes. No one ever looks at these dudes. The men from Tarshish understood their times. Read the scripture. If we knew what time it was, we knew it was time to cross over. If someone says to you, what time is it? You could be practical and say, it's now da-da-da-da-da. Or you could say, it's now time you got off that beach, got in that boat and crossed over. Knowing the sense of timing upon your life is everything. I'm telling you guys, it is. Living with a sense of timing on your life is everything. There are some things that it's not my time to do. When I was in Switzerland... I was the first to get up, and it's always dangerous when you're the first. And in some ways, it's the easiest. And I'd gone there to keep my mouth shut like I normally do. Because when I'm, listen, people don't, you don't think this. When you see me, you see the lion. But when I'm in somebody else's backyard, I'm the furthest away from the front. I keep my mouth shut, and I don't say anything, because I don't need to be seen. I have a place amongst our own people. So... I'm sat there, and all of a sudden, Chris, you know, Pastor Chris with Hannah, the Swiss couple, with Adam here, she says, Tony, what do you think? And I'm thinking, you don't want to know what I think. Because right now, I'm about to tip the boat over. So I was polite, as I, as I would normally be, because it's not my backyard. And she's only asking my opinion. She's not asking me to preach. So I begin to say that, she said, tell us where you've been the last year. I said, I'll tell you where I've been, where I should be. In the base, building the base, building the people. It went quiet. Well, aren't you supposed to be in the, all the nations? I says, I've been building the base. That's where we're supposed to be at this time. I know where I'm supposed to be. And then later on, other pastors got up and kept saying, we're building the base. Yeah, we've been, we've been building the base. Three or four pastors got up. Yeah, we've been building the base. Then all of a sudden, the atmosphere went, you know what? It's supposed to be all the pastors should be in the local church, building the base before they go to the nations. But I had to be bold enough to roll first. I didn't care if they all agreed with me or not. I, that's the conviction of my heart. They have, to, they have to know their own timing. I'm not saying they were all wrong, by the way. I'm saying that they weren't right. <laughs> I didn't say they were wrong. No, I, I just knew that for me, that's where God's been saying, build this base, build these people strong. And then when you go out and come back, nothing will ever be affected and nothing will be unstable. Don't travel at the expense of your people. Don't travel and, and don't let those people be weak and, and, and be struggling when you're traveling and looking good. It's wrong. You should be a reflection of what you're building at home. And those people should be a reflection of you out there. And that's been the core of my calling. To stay here, to get it right. But I know now the timing is for me to travel a little bit more. Not too much, but enough. Because it's my time. I just know when it's my time, it's your turn. 
When it's my time, it's your turn. Yeah. I say it again because I know somebody's like, what's she saying? I don't know. He's, got, he's, gone, he's gone into Tarshish language. When it's my time, it's your turn. You get a chance to do some things you've never done before. Amen? So these were people who understood the times. Do you understand your time? These were people who were not only close to the king, but were people who the king himself had given special access to. These were the highly favored people. They had the, they had the, the permission to go all the way into the king's presence. You and I, my friend, have been given full access into our father's presence. We can know the mind of God. We can know the timing of God. We can know the strategy of God. Why? Because we've got access to our Father's presence. Amen? But on a natural, on a natural uh, plane, you also need access. How many of you would like greater access in your work to, to, to rise up in the system to affect some of the wrongs that you feel or the injustices that you feel your company portray? Oh, you just want to climb up the ladder for money. Is that what you're saying? You know, there's a lot of injustice at the top of you. You've got to, you're in the system at the right time to speak at the right time. Why? Because these boys had wisdom. These boys had wisdom. They knew when to speak and when to keep your mouth shut. It's true. You don't only get, a, you don't only get an upgrade because there's more money in it. That can't be our only motive. If, you, if that's the case, then you're just a Christian who works for a company. You're not a kingdom, you're not a, a kingdom Christian. A kingdom Christian goes where God, whatever you want me, I'll be. True? Because you want the rewards right now, but you don't know where the rewards can lead you to. It's amazing, isn't it? When you work in a factory where there's unions, and the boss says... We need you to do more hours. We need you to do this, get more production out. People say, you know, they need to come down and see we're, we're, we're flogged right out. We can't give any more. How does £10 extra? Oh, no problem. It's amazing how people make room for more money. But 10 minutes ago, oh, they were flat out. No more time. Oh, I've got a leg to stand. I've got time to. How does £10 extra? Oh, no problem. Got any, can I work weekend? <laughs> we haven't got all day to cross over. Because if you don't cross over, some of you will have to catch another boat. Because there is a boat in the spirit that's crossing over. And you know, many of our forefathers who labored came to this point of a crossing over. If I, if I talk about my predecessor, uh, Colin Carson, I know Colin is a dear friend of mine. And I have a lot of affection for him because for what he put into my life. I know he crossed over in so many areas. And without him, I would not be in the boat I'm in. So I, I honor my forefathers. I can't speak for all the other forefathers because even though they were our forefathers, I didn't know them. So I can't speak about them personally. You know, Gwen and others can speak about the pastors they've served under. They knew them. I didn't know them. Colin was the only pastor I, I, I came under. So I'll speak about my pastor. And I know he crossed over many, many territories to the detriment of, his own, of himself at times. But there was something inside him that says there's more territory to take. So if you were in the church at this time, Colin's central message really was all about progressing, taking over. He didn't use that language, but that was the nature of his heart. He's been a missions man all his life. So he's still taking into territories, still going into territories. That's the nature of his heart is to progress and move forward. So there's a part of that in me. So if you resent me, you resent <laughs> my predecessor. Uh, you pick up the spirit of your predecessor and then God washes it, cleanses it, makes sure that you get your portion out of it so that, that your calling is not his calling, but your calling. And then we had to break tracks and I had to pursue my way and he had to pursue his way. But it's still territory taking. Still territory taking. We have to do that because there's more land to take. Last scripture. John 6, verse 16. John 6. We haven't got all day to cross over. We must understand the urgency of our time. John 6, 16. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they got into the boat, set off across the, uh, the lake for Capernaum. Listen to this. Read it again. 
When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they got into the boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum, which was Jesus' hometown at that time. By now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. So that a man down. A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. Have you noticed every time these boys are in a boat, there's always a storm. You'd think they'd walk, wouldn't you? I'll learn to fly by now, but because every time these boys are in, it's a bad omen. Get in a boat with these boys, there's a storm going to arise. But I believe Jesus uses the storm every time. When they had rowed, listen, three and a half miles. Now that's pretty far. That's one heck of Michael rowed the boat. Yeah? They saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water. Wow. He's just out for a midnight stroll. And they were terrified. But they said to him, but he said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat. I bet they was. But here's, here's the key. And immediately, and immediately, the boat reached the shore where they were heading. How far? How fast? Immediately. Immediately. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that not only the boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but they had gone away along. And if you read, continue reading, they were astonished that Jesus got there so fast. My friend, when you take the spirit of the Maritimers, you take the calling of God upon your life, or if you take the skill of the Maritimers, I should say, the destiny to cross over, take over, head into new territories. When you seriously, seriously, seriously take a hold of this calling, there is an immediacy that kicks in. Some things take a process. But notice these boys had rowed out three and a half miles. Three and a half miles. So it showed that they had initiative to get in the boat and try and get over to the other side. They were still getting over. So what, what happens is, it's almost like Jesus waited to see how they would obey him. He was watching what they would do and how much effort they would collectively put in together to get that boat to the other side. And then all of a sudden, he appeared from nowhere, three miles out. Last time, when was the last time you saw someone walking on water? Three and a half miles out. But here's the thing. Soon as he steps in, Instantly, they arrived. Wow. That is supernatural acceleration. Supernatural acceleration. The moment he puts his foot in the boat, you're there. You've crossed over. Now, you see, the moment you can be struggling in your heart, wrestling with God, pushing out with all you have, with all your energy, the moment you receive him in and you receive the new revelation and you partner with it, the moment he puts his foot in, everything's settled. You arrive. You can arrive without arriving, if that makes sense. The psalmist said, it is well with my soul. He'd arrived. Christ had already stepped in to his soul, which made him feel, I'm there. You know, there's a piece in my soul that says I'm there even though I'm not there. Even when my daughter's gone off the rails and done her own thing, there's a piece in my soul that says, don't worry, she'll be all right. Even though she's not serving God, she's doing her own thing, there's a piece in my soul that we've arrived. I don't have to fight the battle in that area. But everything in the natural says you've got to pray, 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 pray until she comes back to God. But there's peace in my soul that says it's okay, I've gone before you. He's already stepped into the boat at that point. So I've already arrived. Even though my daughter's still not here. Does that make sense? There are some things that as soon as he puts his foot in the boat, the whole ground that you're in, everything levels out. Everything levels out. The moment he's allowed to step into that territory, the whole territory around you suddenly comes into alignment. And even though you haven't got the goods in your hand, everything around you says, you know what, it's well, it's okay. I don't need to stress over this. Is there anybody feeling like that? 
Soon as they allowed him in the boat, it says, and they, what did he say? What was the very word he used? Let me find it. Approaching the boat, walking on water, they were terrified, but he said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. And they were willing to take him in the boat like you had any choice. And they were willing. It's almost like they had this conference going on. You know, this dude's on the outside. We don't know who he is. Should we let him in? It's a bit strange, I know, but they just didn't let anyone in. They knew it was Jesus. So it's like, yeah, we're willing. Get in. Where the hell have you been? Why did you let us roll three and a half miles? We could have done this thing a lot quicker. True? He says, no, no, no. I was watching to see how you handled the responsibility. I was watching from afar to see how you related with one another. I was watching from afar to see how you would synergize your strength and skill and indifferences. I was watching. And when I was pleased, I made my approach towards you. I'm watching Dream Center. I'm watching to see. It's no use trying to go to the nations if the nations can't work in here. Come on. I can't send you on the streets to go and win the lost if you don't even love, love the lost now. Ambition isn't going to win people. That's why so many evangelistic traits fail. Because people do not love the lost, but they try and reach them. Right? They try and reach them with what they know. Doesn't work. If you have a real genuine heart for the lost, your heart will always speak for you. True? It's true. So when, he, when we're rowing the boat three and a half miles, that's a long way to row. They were tired. Some of them were fishermen. You can imagine the ones who weren't fishermen. And Peter saying, you don't row like that, you dummy. You row like this. You can imagine all kind of conflicts potentially seething underneath. Peter's looking at someone saying, I'm going to love you with the love of the Lord. Because you know I can draw my sword out. You've saw me do it before. But the moment he steps in the boat, my friends, though everything around you is sinking sand, the solid rock on Christ you can stand. Let's stand to our feet, please. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information, go to www.thedreamcentre.co.uk.